Hi, and welcome to episode 220 of No Crying in Baseball, the Happy New Year heartwarming stuff episode. My name is Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Happy New Year, Potty Mouth. Happy New Year. I admire your optimism. I think this this is a good plan. We're going to just go on a happy, positive outlook for the new year. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I also feel like crap, but on the bright side, it's not COVID. So um, see, happy. Happy already. That's good. Well, you know, to bring you some happy, you should yeah. really be watching some lead on. And I found out today that it's easily accessible on YouTube, if not MLB. But uh, the Aguilas Cibaeñas, who I'll be talking about a little bit later, they have a relief pitcher. His name is Brandon Brochar. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be an N at the end. <laughs> I might have been taking my notes quickly. But he has great QHAR. That would be quality hair above replacement, uh, trademark Ollie. And um, it's it's like this sort of wavy brown in the back. And you can tell that the, the sides are shaved. And he's even got like a nice full sculpted beard. And as a bonus, he also rivals our pal Tanner Scott from the Orioles. Tanner tight pants? It, I was going to say in the in the style he wears his uniform. Uh-huh. Yeah. Tanner tight pants. Yeah. And and apparently I, I noticed that he was pulled out of the game and there were two guys on base. They got there somehow. I'm, I'm not quite sure how, but. Because you're busy looking right. at his hair. <laughs> that was it. That is Q-Har. So, yeah, so watch, sure. watch Las Aguilas. You know, there's there's playoffs baseball happening now. And I'll feel all better. Yeah, exactly. For sure I will. That will, that sure will cure will. what ails you. That's super. That is super. Um, hey, on today's show, we are, in fact, starting with happy heartwarming news. And then we're going right to a crappy, crappy police blotter to break my own little heart. Um, we've got boyfriends and the Tigers and the Cubs. We've got international baseball with players we know and love, or at least know, I believe is how Potty Mouth put it. <laughs> yep. And we're going to end with some heartwarming cross-training news. Yay. I'm going to start with a follow-up to last week or the week before. Whenever we talked about um, the company Endeavor, the holding company that was buying up a lot of minor league teams. Oh, right. And we thought, hey, this it's kind of weird mm -hmm. um, what's happening here, but there's a happy story out of one of these. So the Iowa Cubs, the Cubs AAA team, was one of the teams bought out by Endeavor. Um, the owners that sold the team to Endeavor have owned the team since 1999, and they are known as always doing the right thing owners. Aww, really, you know, so good, sweet. good community folks really take care of their own. And for instance, they did not lay off a single staff person during the pandemic year when there was no minor league baseball. Wow. They found a way to pay people out of their own pocket sometimes. That's so important because these are in places where there's, it's not usually a lot of jobs. Like ballpark for, yeah. is important for these communities. Absolutely. They didn't want they didn't want to lose anybody. They treasure mm -hmm. these people and a lot of them have been there for a long time. And they rewarded that longevity. They have 23 full time staff uh, who range from custodial staff through their front office staff. When they sold the team, they shared the profits as a surprise with these 23 oh, people. Man, they shared so cool. six hundred thousand dollars with these 23 staff people. And they did like a calculation based on how long they'd been with the team. And the person who'd been there the longest got a check for $70,000 that they did not know was coming. How about that? That is so cool. I, I appreciate yeah. the heartwarming start and the heartwarming end. I think that's yeah, a Yeah, it plan. seems like some like minor league ownership uh, is, is paving the way for what good owners can look like. Really? Like this could be a serious example for others. 
Indeed. Indeed. All right. Go ahead. Hit me while I'm down. I am really sorry about this. You're not. This, You're not. No, I am. Because so I'm going to I'm about to talk about Omar Visco, which is the where baseball boyfriends started for Patty in your youth in Cleveland. And and when we were both at in Cleveland at the all star game a couple of years ago, whenever that last one happened, we got our picture taken with him. And I was getting like this Omar fever. And he's, I mean, in our two seconds that we spent with him, he seemed like a really nice guy, adorable. I loved all the Omar stories. So last year is when um, this started, the, the the hatchet fell, I guess, when he was- It all went pear-shaped. I just, I was reading a book where they used, it all went pear-shaped. And I'm like, yep, that's uh, the one. Yeah. It, yep. it, it was bad. So in December, his uh, wife actually on an Instagram statement, an Instagram interview talked about domestic abuse. And that was why she had filed for divorce, which it turns out it had been in August that she had first filed. Um, and then it got worse <laughs> in the following summer. There was a bat boy at from the Birmingham Barons when he was uh, coaching in the or managing in the, the Mets minor league system who accused him of sexual harassment in the clubhouse, lewd behavior. It was an autistic bat boy. And and you can read the details in The Athletic, but it has to do with exposure and forcing some backwashing in the shower. So all sorts of slimy accusations, which sucks to hear about a guy that, like, we had been actively campaigning for him for the Hall of Fame at that point. Um, And I'm going to get back to that in a minute. But his divorce has been finalized and he's publicized it. It's, I, I hate to say this. He's publicized it in a super sleazy manner. Even Mr. Pottymouth, the lawyer, was like, wow, is he spinning that? Because he's spinning it as he has been vindicated of these charges. He's divorced. The process is finalized. So he said in his, and you can look at his Instagram is all over it. And he has very long, detailed statements exonerating himself. And he said, justice always prevails. And the accusations formulated by my now ex-wife, Blanca Garcia, about the supposed domestic abuse were disregarded by the judge due to the lack of evidence. And in the Spanish version, it says la jueza, because you the, the gender of the noun goes with the gender of the person for the word judge. So he's emphasizing that this judge was a woman and that that's an important statement. Mm-hmm. But this judge finalized his divorce. There weren't charges pressed against him. It was just the divorce. It's just the it divorce. Was like, okay, so the divorce is now a divorce. Right. And that's the, all it's saying. It's right. not saying anything about any of the accusations. Exactly. And he, and because the judge for the divorce didn't say anything about his guilt related to domestic abuse, he's taking that as an exoneration, which is bizarre. The truth is there are no current charges against him right now. Illegal. Because he was, he was accused, as I said, like last December. The arrest was in 2016. So he was arrested, and the details of this abuse totally suck. You can read about those in The Athletic. And she dropped the charges because that's what happens so much in in these cases. And even after that, they both published these very well-written letters basically saying, we both have made errors in our marriage. And it's it's clear that uh, he admits to him cheating on her at the time and saying that that's what she was upset about. So they both write this letter, and she later said that he basically extorted her to write it, that he threatened to cut off finances, which he did. So when she finally left him in 2020, he cut off her credit cards, he cut off everything. So, you know, she was financially dependent on him, and that's another, you know, 
component of a lot of these cases. So that all sucks. MLB is still investigating both cases. So in his statement, he says, you know, we're divorced now. I'm cleared of this accuse of, of abuse, which is stupid. He's not. Um, the other case is pending. But MLB is still investigating both. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. But what has happened is he has dropped in the Hall of Fame votes. So we were actively campaigning for him, I think, in, in the 2020 is when he went up. So I'm going to credit us for that. He was at 52.6%, which had gone up for 37% in 2018. 2021, he took a little bit of a hit down to 49.1. But but as of one day ago, which is the last report I saw, he's at 9.1%. And yep. this is historically the most votes lost in a year from an MLB player. So that, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, it sucks. It totally sucks. And I feel like I, I finally finished the Wax Packs Hero, Heroes book actually a little while ago. Um, no, shoot. That's not what it's called. That's from Two Strike Noise. The, the Wax Packs book. That mm -hmm. he's he's chasing Carlton Fisk through the whole thing. Yep. yep. And Carlton Fisk ends up to be kind of a dick. Like, well, yep. I mean, I think there's, you know, you can excuse it saying, well, he's a famous guy and he doesn't want to be signing autographs for anybody who just asked. But at the same time, he's clearly the old school kind of baseball guy. And you don't, you know, no flash. That's not the way you play the game. So I don't appreciate that. So it, it sucks to hear about your childhood hero in a different light. And this one is super shitty just super shitty yeah and it it really sh there was a lot of discussion over the past couple of years like do you consider character mm -hmm. as part of hall of fame voting and people were arguing about it and um and you know in retrospect what would that do to to votes for people in previous years right. um certainly it, it absolutely is affecting current voting yeah absolutely and and i totally think like on the flip side I think that's why David Ortiz is doing so well. I mean, a designated hitter, right? There's been one who's gotten in so far. Is that right? Um, and he's he's leading the pack like crazy. And everybody loves Big Poppy. And he everybody loves Big Poppy. Everyone does not love the Red Sox. Your dad may be wrong <laughs> about that, but everybody loves Big Poppy. Yeah, so. <laughs> he he is totally the one guy. Interestingly, he is also recently divorced. His his wife had a statement on Instagram recently saying lovely in a very, very pleasant way. We're still going to be good friends. We're co-parents, but we've decided to not be together anymore. It was a nice statement. And I believe See, when her, you're not an asshole to your spouse, right. you know, there right. you go. So they're amicably, it's sad, but you know, I wish the best for both of them. All right, we're going to move on because I'm sad now. And I yeah, I'm be sad so anymore. sorry. It sucks. So, um, okay. So Kyle Seeger retired. Um, good for him, right? Yeah. Good for him. We talked about um, my new my new boyfriend, the other Seeger guy, a couple of weeks ago. And that's new, not Bob. New to the Rangers. <laughs> and um, so, but Kyle just re re retired after um, 11 years as a Mariner. How about that? That's a pretty good run. Same team the whole time. And some people are saying, why now? Because he had a career high this past season of 35 home runs and 101 RBI. So go out on top. Yeah. Good for you. And, and best wishes to Kyle Seeger. And then Eddie Alvarez, everybody's, well, my favorite, I know, Olympian in two different sports, silver medalist in, uh, in baseball and speed skating. Uh, most recently, the Marlins infielder just signed a minor league contract with the Dodgers. And if you remember, we keep we keep telling you about this. While the major leagues are in lockout, no major league deals can happen, but the minor leagues go on as if nothing is happening. So they can sign anybody you want to a minor league contract as long as they're not on a 40-man roster. 
they they're going to be pretty good. I mean, I, I know that Miami fans are upset at this loss because Miami has been, you know, we already did Miami. They need something to hang on to for next year and to, to lose an Olympian sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he was, he's a good player. He's not a star, but he's such a personality and he's like, like he's a face of baseball for sure. He's a comeback story. He's, you know, put him in that heartwarming category. He's a hell of a guy. I could see why Miami would not be excited about losing him. Um, Maybe he'll warm up those Dodgers. Yeah. All right. Well, we're not going to be talking about the Dodgers for a while in our baseball boyfriends, which is what we're going to start right now. This is what we do every week in the off season. We talk about one guy per team who is special beyond the field. And we have to pick new guys every year, except for one holdover. We work our way up from the teams that had the worst record up to the best. And we are up to the Tigers. So yay, Tigers, for working your way up. I think they've been in last place the past couple of years. But after reading what I did, I'm hopeful for the Tigers for next year. I'm choosing, and, and this is the one choice that I have done like as, as of weeks ago, because when I first started seeing this about this guy on social media at the end of the season, I thought, huh. I'm going to keep my eye on him. It's Akil Neoman Badu, left fielder, 23 years old. So many cool things about him. First one is that he was born right here in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is right next door to Tacoma Park. So basically our neighbor didn't stay there long, moved to Georgia when he was little and went to high school there. His father is from Ghana, so that's where the Badu comes from. His mom, who I saw an interview with, and we're going to go on this theme of we want to have a beer with the parents. You know, like the the baseball boyfriend is definitely the guy you want to hang out and have a beer with. But his mom seems super cool. She's from Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, his first name, Akil, comes from his mother's heritage. And I'm not sure what the linguistic trail is here, but it means intelligence. And his middle name is homage to his family tribe in Ghana. So in high school is when he started standing out a lot. And so he was uh, searched for by, by universities. He was committed to the University of Kentucky, but passed on it because he was drafted by the Twins in 2016. So Spent some time, single A, high A, and ended up with Tommy John surgery in 2019. So it's like a super young guy. Most missed most of that year recovering. And this is like a you know very minor league year. Um, just a side note, another thing that I loved about him is he credited yoga and meditation in his recovering. So I appreciate somebody who does yoga. And then 2020, he was in the minors, so he couldn't play in 2020. Also, he had a very hard year in 2020. He lost his 30-year-old brother. Oh, geez. So, and, and there's very few details about what actually happened. And I totally respect a family's privacy. The guy was engaged. He was working Aww. toward being a chef. There's some really sweet Instagram um, posts about it. But clearly, this is something that has affected Akil tremendously. And he has uh, initials in his Twitter bio to to commemorate his brother. And his background picture in Twitter is a picture of them together at Target Field in Minnesota from when he was with the Twins. So he got picked up in 20 with the Rule 5 draft, which is kind of a lucky thing after, you know, missing basically the past two, past two seasons and nobody knowing how good he was really. And this is the other part that makes him a potty mouth baseball boyfriend. So the Rule 5 draft is happening and he didn't somehow, it wasn't really clear 
he should have been listening to the podcast and, and to you, Patty, for explaining how Rule 5 works, because apparently he wasn't so sure if he had a chance there. But but when he found out, he ran around his home cheering, yelling, holy shit, holy shit, which is a totally appropriate you know reaction to when you hear that you're picked up in the Rule 5 draft, I, I, I think, you know, personally. Um, he debuted April 4th, 2021, home run on his first pitch along with a beautiful bat flip. Nice start. Yeah, awesome start. And here's where there's like a, a an interview with him and his mom that is adorable. And I really hope I put it in our in our notes because his mom basically predicts the home run. Like she's sitting in the <laughs> stand with his father and his father predicted like a, a regular hit and and she said he's going oppo and also like through the little like you know the cameras are focused on them during the sure. uh, during the game and just, she really wanted to get a pretzel which i always want to get at the ballpark sure too do. and so uh-huh. she's like waiting on her timing and he's coming up and she said as soon as he rips it i'm getting a pretzel so it turns out that he was the second tiger to debut with the home run on his first pitch and uh and then he just kept going though so in his second game which I think was the next day, Grand Slam against the Twins, the team that drafted him. So he ended up being with the first rookie with home runs in his first two games. And then the next day, not a home run, but a 10th inning walk-off single. So he's the only player in the past 120 years to have four doubles, three triples, and four home runs within the first 17 games of his career. I like that spreadsheet. So excited about this dude. He was also second in the AL with triples. And I love triples because it means you're a speedy dude with, with seven. That's right. So here comes this thing that I am so old. I didn't understand what it <laughs> meant. And it took several people in the CPBL chat and Twitter to, to explain this to me just coincidentally today. And that is that he had a digital comic, which is an NFT. Do you know what an NFT is? Yes, when um when um my child guest hosted, um I had the youths explain that to us all. It's oh, ridiculous. I have yeah. to go back to it. You have to listen to our show. So, yeah, I did listen to it, but for some reason I don't remember NFT, non fungible token, right? Yeah, we- it's made up crap. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. So it's, it's not like, a thing. It's a cryptocurrency thing. It's a picture of a thing. Right. It's a picture <laughs> of a thing. So, but that part. So I'm going to excuse him for that because generally trading in pictures of things for profit i understand how that's bad because it's all like makeup stuff and it's just because everybody believes in it that it has some worth but there's nothing there right like bitcoin or cryptocurrency i don't understand that shit but there's a very cool looking digital comic of him with all this crazy awesome shit that he did like he was a fabulous breakout player in 21 right and so they're selling it as an NFT, whatever the fuck that means. And the proceeds go to Detroit baseball charities. You know, Detroit is a city where the youth needs some some support if they're going to play baseball. Like the youth of Detroit, right? It's like the youth of D.C. So the, the charities are going to MLB RBI, which is Reviving Baseball in Inner Cities. And RISE, and their motto is unified through sports committed to racial equity and social justice. So because this non-fungible token is raising money for good things, I'm hoping that it's also a good thing. 
And there's merch. You can actually get a physical t-shirt that says Yabba Dabba Badoo, which I want one. <laughs> I was going to say, have you ordered it yet? I, I really need to get on that. I really need to get on that. And also he had some other merch that he was um, selling autograph with proceeds going to the Detroit Tiger- Tigers Foundation, again, to support kids in Detroit. So I, I'm excited to see Badoo. I'm so excited. So two things. One is I watch a lot of Cleveland baseball. They play the Tigers a lot. So I've mm. seen him play quite a bit. He's a lot of fun. And two, look at your phone. You have a snow day tomorrow. Oh, seriously. Oh, my God. Woo-hoo. I am very excited. This is We, we interrupt great. this podcast for snow day. This is great. Not only did I see when I looked at my phone snow day, but I saw like 12 text messages <laughs> saying snow day, snow day, snow day. My people are happy. Your people are happy. Hey, I'm happy that I got to pick Tucker Barnhart as my Tigers guy because I always liked him when he was on the Reds. And in this case, he's enough of a grown-up that I actually want to have a beer with him and his wife. And I don't need to go all the way up to the parent level, even though in the past couple of weeks, it's been all about the parents. Grandparents, for sure. too. So, um, and the grandparents. That's right. <laughs> right. Grammy Pat. So, um, so Tucker Barnhart, catcher, with the newly with the Tigers, grew up in Brownsburg, Indiana. Um, I heard, I saw a reference to having a ball and a glove in his crib. So, you know, <laughs> destiny, right? Baseball destiny. Um he, when he played in high school at um, Brownsburg High School, I think it was called, he caught Drew Storen for two seasons. Oh, wow. Um, I think he was, while he was a freshman and a sophomore, uh, Drew was a, a good junior and senior. So um, that's that's pretty good, right? So that's the high school has produced some good guys. Um, he was not initially a catcher, and an early coach said, oh, no, you have an arm and you have leadership. You need to be a catcher. And he kind of modeled himself after Pudge Rodriguez, who's, uh, you know, we're a big fan of Pudge. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he was, uh, just like the number one player in the state. In fact, I think I used the phrase Mr. Baseball, which is a real thing. He was in fact, Mr. Baseball for Indiana. Uh, he was committed to uh, Georgia tech, but in the uh, 20, 29, 20, geez, two, zero, zero, nine. So many draft. moons ago, long time so ago. So many moons. I don't know how to say that. Mm-hmm. 2009. That's right. I remember now. Um, he was drafted in the 10th round by the Reds and that was enough for him to say, okay, that's enough. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going there instead of to, to Georgia Tech. Um, his debut was in April of 2014. So he is playing for quite a while and he's has two of lots of things. He has two <laughs> gold gloves, 2017 and 2020. He was the Reds nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award in 2018 and 2020. Oh, good sign. Yeah. And also, you know, local sports writers uh, tend to have what they call the Good Guy Award in Cincinnati. It's called the the, um, the Joe Nuxhall Good Guy Award. He won that in 2016 and 2019. Um the other thing that he, there's two of is actually both sides of the same coin. In 2015, his single broke up a Max Scherzer no-hitter bid in the eighth inning. But then he also caught Wade Miley's no-hitter this past season. That's a great pair. Right? Right? So in um, this past November, several weeks ago, he was traded to the Tigers for, um, for, for third baseman um, Nick Quintana. Uh, one of the things the Tigers need from him is leadership. They have a very young pitching staff and they've got you know, a lot of these young guys coming up. And so they need both leadership in the clubhouse, but also somebody who knows what they're doing, who's good at their job and has been doing it for a long time to kind of take these new pitchers under his wing and help them help them get going. Um, so I want to tell you about um, the, the, the good guy stuff. 
that he does because it's really pretty cool. Um, he lives in Indiana. So, I mean, his, you know, and playing in Cincinnati, a lot of things happened kind of around the same area. Uh, during when we were all home for the pandemic, he started Takeout Thursday in Zionsville, Indiana, where he would buy $500 gift cards at a bunch of local restaurants. And he would invite residents to order takeout meals at these local restaurants of up to $25. Like he would pay the first $25. So he's feeding people and he's supporting local businesses. That is so cool. And in some cases, like like in Cincinnati, some of the businesses were, um, I think there was a chain in Cincinnati who would match that. So what? It, what it, when he when he would um, when he would support Cincinnati restaurants, they would match the amount to increase, you know, the supporting of the businesses and the you know let's let's feed people because people need to be fed. He also has been you know for I, I was I was teasing my kid. I was like you know if I was going to like profile this guy like you know we're like a racial profile. I would look at like <laughs> oh there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a problem, right? Actually, he's the guy on the reds who was trying to organize support for Black Lives Matter. Oh, cool. That's I was like good. okay. Thank you for this. Thank mm-hmm. you for this. Before all of the fundraising and things that happened around COVID, he did annually a bit um, for Big League Impact. He did a big fantasy football fundraiser that supported children's hospitals and the Reds charities. He built a little league field in his hometown in Indiana. Um, he, you mentioned um, the RBI program, the Reviving Baseball mm-hmm. in Inner Cities. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, he did a um, like a batting practice sandlot game to raise money to support to support. I think for for Indianapolis, I think to support RBI. So much and fun. Also, like just small stuff, like when he got his first shot, he posted a photo of his vaccination card and said halfway home. So, you know, modeling good behavior just in a simple way. It's not you should go out and do this, but it's like, hey, guess guess what I just did? And I'm happy about it. You know, this is just that's great. So um, funny one for you is uh, the Cincinnati Zoo uh, brought in an 18 year old hippo from San Francisco (laughs) to um, because their 21-year-old uh, female hippo needed a date, shall we say? <laughs> so they brought this male hippo in from San Francisco. So at birth, this male hippo was named Tucker. But they nicknamed him Bruce for Bruce Boshi, who was, you know, the, the manager of the Giants, right? So when they brought um, Tucker slash Bruce over to Cincinnati, they said, we're going to go back to his birth name and because, you know, we like the Tuckers. Here in Cincinnati, of course, this was like, you know, two months before he was traded to Detroit. But he um, he did send a video message to Tucker the Hippo welcoming him and saying how much he and his family like Cincinnati Zoo. And it's great to have another Tucker in town. But maybe that Tucker was just too big. And so this Tucker said, OK, it's not room enough for both of us. But he is married. His wife is um, Sienna. They have two sons and they were born in his gold glove years. So uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what that's about, but um, that's that's pretty cool. But I like his his social media very much is about his family. Um, they were like when he was when when the Tigers picked him up. There was a photo of his kids in the tiny little Tigers jerseys that Detroit sent to them, <laughs> and you know just them like hanging out, like cooking food together in the kitchen, or you know playing outside, or his you know his toddler like you know throwing wiffle balls to him and all of that. And I I love that. And his um his sister owns a bakery in Indiana. And like, she was up for like, you know, a popular vote. So like, he's like promoting his sister's business. I mean, it's really sweet. So total family guy. Also, you I mean like just, he seems to be like good through and through. And I think um, 
he would be fun to have a beer with absolutely directly. Definitely. That, that sounds like a super good pick. And I had not been following up enough when I saw his name. I was like, wait a minute. Where, I mean, I just associate with him with the Reds. So I'm yeah, excited to see how he does with the transition. Sure enough. Speaking of fi- family guys, as we go to National League, my Cubs pick is going to be Rafael Ortega, who's a right fielder, 30 years old, and is also a total family guy. And if you look at his Instagram account, it's super sweet. It's a lot about you know, loving his wife and his two kids, and they're all together. And There are a lot of things about him that I loved, and there's one thing that I'll get to at the very end that was a potential deal breaker, but there were two issues that I considered. One was, shit, I'd already done all this research, and there were all these other things (laughs) that like, I just went on this rabbit hole when I started looking into him, but also I feel like I started off last week with adjusting my rules a little bit. So our baseball boyfriend rules are basically that it has to be a guy that you could hang out and hold a conversation with at a bar or over coffee. They don't have to enjoy it. Enjoy a conversation. But like have a beverage with this guy and, and have stuff to talk about. So I think it totally works there. And then, you know, they can't be an asshole, especially accused of, a, of any sort of abuse or, or assault. That just, you know, breaks the line because we just don't know what happens after that point. But then we've had a lot of like fuzzy area kind of things. And last week I went back on the PED thing with Alberto Montesi because it, you know, he, he had maybe had medicine from Dominican Republic. And this seemed more credible than other stories in that. So I feel like I'm getting into this sort of like little bit of fuzziness and I'm doing that with Ortega too, in some ways, but right (laughs) now, this is, this is the first reason why I wanted to talk about him is that he's hitting lead off for the Caribes de Answategui. And any excuse I have to say Answategui in an episode, you know, I'm going to take advantage of it. This is in the, the Venezuelan league. And he joined them on the day after Christmas, December 26th, but he is from El Tigre, which is a city in, you guessed it, Answategui, which is the province. And he's been with the Paribes like a- every year, pretty much at least some of it since um, the 16-17 season. He did previously play with a different Venezuelan team, the Tiburones de, de Guajira in 09. But he really is loving playing with the Caribes. And you can see it on his social media right now. And he talks about Armonia, the the clubhouse harmony. And I can see why in this clubhouse, check out this team. This is not my Venezuelan team, by the way. I am a forever fan of Cardenales de Lara as of a few years ago when I said that they were my team. But I'm intrigued by the Caribes with Victor Reyes, hello, Nationals fan. Astrubal Cabrera, also Nationals and many other teams. Williams Astudio, your former boyfriend. And Sugar Jesus, Jesus Sucre, my former boyfriend. What a clubhouse to be happening right now. So, folks, go watch Winter Baseball. He first signed in 2008 with the Rockies. Which And here's where he is a journeyman guy. He's one of these guys who has been hanging on to baseball with a hope and a prayer for years. And I've been sponsoring this guy through um, Adopt a Minor League Player, Eris, and you know, it makes me nervous. He's been in, you know, single A for a few years and things are tough. So it makes me feel a little bit better about 
how maybe things can work out eventually. So signed in 2008. He, in 2012, the poor dude, he played two games in September with the Rockies, called up from single A. He was in single A. And for some reason... I don't know why they needed an outfielder and or maybe they just something impressive about him, but they called him up. Nobody knew who he was. <laughs> they they thought he was, he said they thought I was a clubby, like a guy who worked in the clubhouse. <laughs> Meanwhile, he got a hit off Josh Beckett from the Red Sox in his debut. Went back down, bounced around a lot, like a ton of different minor league teams. Rangers, Cards, Angels. Actually got up in the Angels for a few games in 2016, back down. Padres, Marlins, where he played some major league games in 2018. He was in Atlanta, and he had some games with them. He got an invite for spring training with Atlanta in 2020, but... You know what happened in 2020. Crap. It was not easy to play. So he spent that season at the alt site. Free agent. Cubs picked him up in November of 20, and he came up in May 21. And he got his big, big break when Jock Peterson, your former boyfriend, went to Atlanta. Took center field, took leadoff, played 103 games, and batted uh, 291, slash line 291, 360, 823 with 11 home runs. Now, this 11 home runs is an important number because before this season, he had only hit three in his major league career with all those ups and downs. And he had the third most hits for the Cubs in 2021 after Ian Happ, who makes you coffee, and my former boyfriend, Contreras. In August, he tied the franchise record with a three-home run game. So mind you, as I had said before. What? Wait a minute. He doesn't hit home runs. Right. He had only had, before this season, he had only hit three home runs in his major career, and then he did three in one game against the nationals which is hysterical and it was here at nats park so i'm wondering i don't i don't think we were there for that game i think we would remember something like that but apparently there's a whole mess of of cubs who have hit three home runs in one game but nobody's done more than that but chris bryant former boyfriend of mine did it in 2019 also versus the Nationals, which is like, what's what's with the three home runs in one game by one player against the Nats? Come on, people, get it together. But no, notably, this last game, the Nats actually won the game. So other highlights in 2021? I might have been at that game. Yeah, you know what? There was a Cubs game that you went to without me. You went to with um, with Chris. That might have been. Was that the one you went to with Chris? No. Okay. Nope. Nope. Um, but I, I think it, this, this was, yeah, because we, we were, we were, this was the game after all the trades and we were all yelling, hooray, right. new guy. Right. He was yep. a new guy. He was new he guy. He was new guy. And I did see, I was, I was at that game. Wow. Well, he did pretty well for a new guy. Also in 2021, he had seven consecutive games at the end of the season without a strikeout from the end of November to the end of September, that November, no baseball then, end of September to early October. And in that time, so after uh, September 17th, he was batting 361. And so in on on the the 30th of that month, September 30th, he ended up being the third leadoff hitter in MLB history to open the game with a home run and steal home base in the same game. So yes, that's a bizarre statistic, but opening the game with a home run and stealing a base, like both of those are reasons to make it a special game and having them both together is super fun. 
And I love his attitude. He's totally positive. So he went through all these years batting around the minors. And he says, what has helped me get to this point is that I've always been a guy who never gave up. I've always had my, held my head up high no matter what happened. He's the guy of the clubhouse. He's the guy who energizes everybody. He's got the spirit. He's got the attitude. They call him La Balita, which is like a little bullet. And he said that he's had that since he was a kid. He's always been running around energetic, always bringing that kind of energy. And he said that he thinks that Dave Ross and the team has noticed that with me, specifically when I'm outside and catching fly balls in the outfield. Like he's just putting that kind of energy into it. And there's lots of great quotes from Dave Ross about him who really had his eye on him last season. He said he's fun to be around and brings good energy to the clubhouse. Talked about the family guy stuff and and his influential players. He said that when he, he had that time on the Angels, he learned the most from Albert Pujols, which just, you know, to take advantage of that time and suck in whatever he has, whatever advice he has to give is definitely a good plan. Childhood hero Bobby Abreu, who's not doing as well in the Hall of Fame votes right now. But here we come to the almost breaking point. So in the past, I've been put off by guys who I feel like are going to convert me over a beer, right? Like the ones who are like- yeah, The guys who are going to attempt to convert you right. over. I, I think you, it's right. not going to be successful. No. I am almost, I am like 98% sure it's not going to be successful. Yeah. Depends yeah. how many beers. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I started kind of noticing him with that. And, you know, honestly, if if you're spending that much time bouncing around the minors- and you get a big break, it's sort of like a hallelujah moment. I can sort of understand being like, God, thank you very much. Like, cause you pray, I don't know, especially if you're coming from these traditions where you're praying before every at bat. And we've seen lots of players that we've already accepted as boyfriends do stuff like that. So I started noticing that he was a tad religious in his Instagram. And then I noticed that he was celebrating Hanukkah. And Sukkot, he had like a happy Sukkot. Like, I don't do that. I don't celebrate Sukkot. I'm I'm brought up in practicing Jew, you know, mostly. And then he has this hashtag in his Instagram post, Baruch Hashem, which is like how Jews open a lot of prayers. It's praise be to God, basically. And it turns out that he's become involved in this church that's sort of like a back to roots kind of church because he also had Jesus posts. Because at first I was thinking, huh, maybe this is a sign that I should take him. He's he's a Jewish Venezuelan, which is not a very common thing. But no, no, he's definitely Christian. And then there were pictures of him celebrating, it looked like a Shabbat dinner, with Pastor Jim Staley. And Jim Staley is of the Christian Roots Movement. And I could have left it there. I could have closed the book and said, all right, this is my baseball boyfriend. I'm not going to look into this any further. We've got this maybe Jewish roots thing together. We can talk about that over a beer. But it turns out I looked up Jim Staley and he uh, was sentenced to seven years in prison (laughs) and told to repay $3.3 million to the elderly investors who he conned in an investment scheme. He pled guilty to these charges. Yeah, I know. You look like, if, I wish y'all could see Patty's face right now. <laughs> because What's the actual hell is happening here? I don't here? know. I don't know. We, we, we went from boyfriend to police blotter in the same We sort here. of did. My boyfriend hangs out with a crook, apparently. And um, 
So he pled guilty, but at the same time, he was kind of denying it, saying, but I didn't really do it, but I'm pleading guilty. So it was clearly a, a plea bargain. But this is the pastor that your guy follows? I, I, I'm kind of, I think so. Oh, potty and mouth. So the court, oh, oh, potty mouth. <laughs> the court said he couldn't rescind his pleas because he like, he like after two weeks or whatever the legal limit is, he tried to undo his guilty plea. So I, I was done reading by this point. I, he's apparently out of jail because those those articles were, were from quite a few years ago, but not too many, like not more than 10 for sure. And there were very, very recent Shabbat dinner pictures. So here's my like how I'm going to I'm going to just believe that that dear Raphael doesn't totally understand the situation because maybe it happened a long time ago. And I'm gonna talk to him about his Jewish root stuff, and we can we can discuss Jewish holidays. And then I'm gonna say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that with this guy. Like there are plenty of other opportunities for you to practice these beliefs. I think you just need to make a break from your pastor. How about that? So you <laughs> said the sentence. He's definitely Christian, but what you said was all of this, like uh, observing Jewish traditions, and then. Uh, criminal pastor. That doesn't <laughs> sound to me like he's Christian, really. It sounds like he's either becoming Jewish or he's a crook. Well, no, no, no. I think Raphael, I mean, the, the pastor could very well be a crook. I think Raphael is Christian, but he's adopted this fundamentalist in the truest sense, like going back to the Old Testament kind of Christian um congregation where they they you know look at the old testament as closely as the new testament and involve what's what's basically jewish tradition so i i do think that he's that kind of christian i just want to say that maybe he'll be entertained by like me telling the stories of having passover seder at my auntie Anne's and like her making borscht and stuff like that. like we can talk about stuff like that and then i'll kind of say at the same time by the way the church you're currently in is a crook, but the, I'm sure there are other lovely people who observe this religion religion who you can follow instead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was a really big detour. <laughs> I, I have no words. I have no words for this. We're going to have a little talk later about All our, right. our- We'll do that. We'll do that. Oh my God. Okay. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Um, I love it when I get surprised on the podcast. Here we go. Um, let's, let's go to my Cubs boyfriend because my Cubs boyfriend was almost my White Sox boyfriend last year. Last year, I was trying to decide between Andrew Vaughn and Nick Mandrigal for my White Sox. Oh. I'm a, yeah, for my White Sox boyfriend. And I actually found an article said that said Andrew Vaughn or Nick Mandrigal and it helped me pick Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> but now I get to pick Nick Mandrigal because now he's a Cub. Um, another second baseman. So I think my, um, my infield is already overflowing. So I got to look mm. elsewhere for other boyfriends. He's 24, grew up near Sacramento with a twin brother. And here, so he and his brother, that, that as I think happens with twins, they were preemie. I think they were very much so preemies. They had to spend two weeks in the hospital after they were born. Um, their dad and their older brother, who was five years old at the time, Zach, apparently slipped baseballs into their cribs. What is it with putting baseballs into baby cribs? Is that a weird theme? I didn't realize I had that theme, but I have that theme now. So Nick and Ty grew up as baseball kids. Uh, Nick was always a little bit more dedicated. Um, their dad would say, you know, they'd practice for an hour and Ty would be done. And Nick would be like, no, 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 more, 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 more. Um, and that 
played out a little bit later and where they went with that. But when they were kids, they, you know, on teams together, they, they, um, their team won the Cal Ripken world series when they were 10. Um, Nick went on to play for team USA and the, and the um, U 14 team, which is pretty exciting. Um, and his, like his work ethic I and mean, his brother said that, you know, Nick pushed me based on what he was doing. If he, if he needed, a, he felt he needed more work then I knew I also needed more work. And that apparently has gone on to all the teams that he's been on where he's sort of led by example. He doesn't say, Hey, you need to work as hard as me. He just works that hard. And other guys are like, huh, maybe I'll do that too. But they also grew up and they were pretty competitive. I think that might be a twin thing too, that they were pretty competitive with each other, their whole team, their whole, the family, this whole team, I guess, <laughs> their, team, their whole family, sure. you know, a very healthy sense of competition. And Nick says, as long as someone's keeping score, no matter what it is, I want to win. I don't care <laughs> what we're playing, but I want to win if I keep in the score. So he went to the school outside of Sacramento called Elk Grove High School, which is this little tiny prep school powerhouse in the world of baseball. Since 2009, eight graduates of Elk Grove High School have become big leaguers, and there are currently six guys playing in the big leagues that graduated from Elk Grove High School. Um, so I read about this a little bit more. The coach there, who actually just retired in 2018, but the coach of all of these guys, Jeff Carlson, is the dad to Dylan Carlson. So, you know, he and, you know, Nick came up together and they were both like briefly, you know, at the beginning of last season contenders for rookie of the year in a lot of people's eyes, right? They, they came like from the same school where Dylan's dad was the coach under his, you know, coaching tenure, they won eight state championships. Um, but these guys that are the current players, they stretch over a couple years. Like the guys in the middle played with all six eventually, you know, older and younger, but like but, you know, Dylan and Nick are the younger guys. So they didn't necessarily play with the older guys, but because of this coach, they are kind of this little community where these guys come back in the off season to the high school and work out there. So they all know each other. These six guys have like a, have a text chat. I mean, they, they are friends and they're mentors to each other because the guys that are just a few years ahead were in the minors when the other guys were just hitting college and could teach them about that. And then they got their call-ups when these guys went to the minors. And so they kind of take care of each other, which is really pretty cool. I love that. So, Nick was drafted in the 17th round uh, going out of high school by Cleveland, but he had already committed to Oregon State. So he went to Oregon State oh, wow. where he became the Pac-12 freshman of the year. And um, Oregon State might sound familiar because I've been talking about it a lot because, yep, Adley Rutschman. Yeah, also Oregon State. So they won the, the College World Series together, the two of them. Uh, Nick was a year ahead. So he went in the first round in the 2018 draft. He was fourth overall, um, picked up by the White Sox. Um, so his twin brother, Ty, is currently in high A in the White Sox. Oh, cool. Where, whereas Nick is, you know, has already had his call up and has been playing for a little while. So that's that's that work ethic, folks. He, um, I mean, like, Ty had a D1 scholarship to St. Mary's. I mean, he's a good player. It's just that Nick wanted only baseball. They say you know, Ty was like better in school. He had more, more things going on, whereas Nick was very single-minded, very single-minded. Um, he is a contact hitter. He's not a hit-for-power guy. He's a put-the-ball-in-play guy. So, um, and... He gets to a lot of two-strike counts so much that the White Sox call them Nikki two-strikes. Um, his strikeout rate is 
that's a decimal point is way in the wrong point. It's a 7.8%. Oh yeah. That's the way league better average than what you have is 24% <laughs> strikeouts. Wow. Right. So in 2019, for instance, when he spent the whole season in, um, in minor leagues, he struck out 16 times over 532 plate appearances. Wow. So this, that was a 3% strikeout rate. He was um, the number two at that time was um, our friend Wander Franco, who had a 7% strikeout rate. So it was half that. Just half that. Under two, st- doing stuff on, with two strikes on you, that's like being able to deal under pressure. Like that's amazing. Yeah, for sure. He also doesn't swing and miss. Like he went for like a hundred, was it like a hundred or so pitches in one stretch where he did not swing and miss? Wow. He can hit anything. He can hit anything. So he said one of the things he has to work on is knowing when he just needs to walk because he can hit bad pitches. But sometimes it's more important just to take the walk. So he's kind of like learning that stuff. He got his call up in July of the crappy year of 2020. Um, In 2021, he was hitting 305 until June when he had a season-ending hamstring injury, which resulted in surgery to repair tendon tears. And he was rehabbing in Arizona. Um, apparently he was watching the uh, the trade deadline, you know, feed the scroll across the screen, looking for his name just to see what was going on with his girlfriend in Arizona, and nothing and nothing is getting to the very end of the the you know the last day of of the trade deadline, and he gets a call that we're trading you across town from the White Sox to the Cubs, and then there was his name <laughs> across the screen, so he did have a little bit of a heads up, and he you know was was surprised because he didn't see that coming, but he ended up okay with it. He was traded to the Cubs in the, in the Craig Kimbrell trade. Right. So Jed Hoyer, the president of the Cubs actually flew out to Arizona where he was rehabbing to welcome him to the team. Cause usually like these guys at the trade deadline, they'd show up, but they could go right away to their new team. They get their new uniform and they start playing. Mm-hmm. Well, he was busy rehabbing his injury. So Jed Hoyer went to him That's and really they hung cool. out and they went to see like some baseball games where like where Cubs prospects were playing and all of that. And that was really pretty cool. So we didn't actually get to Wrigley to meet his teammates until mid September. And he was just there for a weekend and then went back wow. to, rehab but it was really just to like get introduced and say hello um he one of the first people to welcome to the team was my former cubs boyfriend nico horner who he played against his whole life they played against each other in travel team oh my god in high school that's in high, he, another california kid and also pac-12 um, um horner went to stanford so they played against each other in college as well a fun fact. Um, so here's here's my former boyfriend's relationship with my new boyfriend <laughs> here. So Clint Frazier, who just went from the Yankees to the Cubs, his Clint Frazier's fiance who went to school in Chicago. Her best friend is Nick um, is is Nick's girlfriend. So Nick Ma- Nick Madrigal's girlfriend wow. and Clint Frazier's fiance are best friends. All right, and and we've got to trust the judgment of the women. Like that's what counts. Totally. See, so there's that. There's that for sure. And so it's, it's it was on Clint's list of why he went to Chicago. It wasn't the top. <laughs> it wasn't because it'll make my fiance happy because she'll get to hang out with her best friend. But it was on the list, and that it's I appreciate good. that. Um, Tim Anderson, who you know, former boyfriend of the White Sox, clearly you know played with you know second baseman, uh, you know Nick Madrigal, and he said about the uh, about the Cubs, they got their money's and worth. And his I- impression counts big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the the mysterious thing that I couldn't pin down was just how tall he is because he's not <laughs> all that tall. And they mentioned that a lot, but some places say 5'7". His official MLB profile says 5'8". So 
I don't know what's going on there, but I don't care because he's going to be a super lot of fun to watch this year. I'm excited about it. I think that happens with anybody under 5'10", really, that they're kind of unsure. There's like this inch or two of wiggle room. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about the Angels. Now, I just want to point out the Angels and Detroit had uh, were tied with their records. So we do them um, in alphabetical order. So Detroit came before Los Angeles. So Los Angeles Angels are next week. Even you though are the same. so thorough. Well, you know, you, you got to have some rules. You yeah. got to have some rules. We're also talking about Colorado next week. Wow. And and folks, you're not going to hear about Shohei Otani because that was last year. Go back to our old episodes. You can totally find them. They're lots of fun to listen to. And I'm going to take us on a turn international. And Australia has some pretty cool news, despite the fact that they're still not playing. So there's a lot of there are a lot of games happening right now with the Australian Baseball League. But yes, their official season was canceled due to COVID. But there's still stuff happening, including Genevieve Beacom, I hope I pronounced that right, has signed as a development player with the Melbourne Aces, which is one of the teams in the ABL for next season, 2022 to 23. This is a woman. So what a development player, this took me a little bit, like appreciate the amount of time I put into this like very short piece of news for you folks. (laughs) I found out what a development player is. What it means is that they train with the team and they actually get some play. So it's right. not like a minor league, but it's kind of like a junior player. It, but it seems like a cool situation. And this woman is hot. She was the first woman to pitch in a Victorian baseball summer league. So that's the the state, I guess, or province of Victoria within Australia. So it's not that they're wearing long gowns. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and like, yeah, not, not a gothic novel no, situation. No, okay. I don't, I don't All right. think so. Though that would be mighty entertaining. But I think it's, it's <laughs> she's, you know, lives in this state of Australia, but she pitched in, you know, what would presumably be a men's league for the summer league when she was 17 years old. And it's called the Division One First. And it was, it's, um, a, 16 and wait shit that's 16 and under state level yeah hmm. so how sure could she is. have been 17 i'm not sure there must be something in the in the fine lines there that i totally missed but what well, you know there's there's usually there's a birthday cutoff all right so it could be that you know she fit that birthday but we're gonna go with that but she had a zero zero era did not give up a run was advanced to Division One, which is one level up, and was, of course, the first woman there. So she says that she's doing this all because she hopes to play baseball in a U.S. college in 23. Oh, I hope so. That would be, that be so great? cool. So yes, women in baseball all around the world. I just want to make a, a quick statement going over to Asia about the CPBL, the Taiwan League. They're already way too complicated system for figuring out who plays in the Taiwan series playoffs has changed to become even more complicated because they have these two half seasons and theoretically it would be the, the, the team that won the first half season against the team that won the second half season. I just hear buzzing in my ear yeah. when, when anyone tries to describe the playoff system to me. It is way too complicated. It's gotten worse. So if you want to know about this, we're going to put a link to Daniel Shi, who knows all. He runs the CPBL English Twitter. He explains it really well. And I kept reading it, trying to summarize it. I could not do it. So 
and my hat's I heard buzzing in my ear when I read that tweet. So yeah. (laughs) My hat's off to Daniel. But what I have been paying a lot of attention to is the baseball and winter baseball happening now south of our border. In Lidom, Dominican Republic, we're in the middle of the round robin playoffs until January 17th. And I found out you can find a lot of this on YouTube. So if you have MLB, you can get it on your MLB TV. If not, just Google or you, I don't know, look on YouTube and just look at the names of the teams. I'm going to tell you the names of the teams to look for. The first one is Gigantes de Cibao, which I had been very negligent of because they were not my pick. But my former boyfriend from the Astros, Jose CV, talked about him last week with his gear. He has been raking in the playoffs. He was batting 217 in their regular season. In the playoffs, it's ramped up to 351. So I I might have to get some of that Hey Siri uh, merch very soon. Tigres de Licey, Yerman Mercedes, who we were all going crazy for at the beginning of the season and then had a bad fallout with Tony LaRusso, which, of course, we blame Larusa for. He was batting 190 in the regular season with the Tigres. He's up to 333 in the playoffs. So watch the playoffs and watch Mercedes um social media. He's he's super sweet. I think he's happy playing there. Estrellas Orientales, if you want to watch their games, I saw Robinson Cano get a hit earlier this evening. He's batting 333. His on-base percentage with slugging is 1.111. He is on base a lot. And if you want to go for the last team that's in the playoffs, Aguilas Ibaeñas, you can watch Melky Cabrera, who is in a bunch of places all over MLB for a while. And he's batting 365 with a 1.000 on base percentage with slugging in the, in the playoffs. Or if you'd rather, there are a few more teams that you could be watching right now. The Liga Venezolana de Baseball Profesional, Venezuela. They're in their round robin playoffs until January 16th. So many cool people to watch here. So I already talked about the Caribes de Anzuategui, which, which of course is fantastic. And, and I actually just right before I recorded, read an article about Astruba Cabrera being grateful for playing with the Caribes this season. He was traded over. He had been playing with the Leones de, de Caracas, the, the capital of Venezuela, but he's from Anzuategui. I'm going to just say that as much as I can. It's where he's from. So he's happy to be playing for his hometown. You know, it's not a drinking game, but it, it could it, be. It, it totally <laughs> could be. My team, finally, to talk about the Cardinal, Cardenas de Lara, William Contreras, that's William, he is leading playoff batting. He's for the playoffs, he's batting 571 so far. Now, granted, it just started, but you know, super fun. And another baseball boy, well, William wasn't a baseball boyfriend of mine, but you know, maybe for the future. But Idelmara Vargas was a baseball boyfriend of mine. He's batting 375. Uh, Pablo mm-hmm. Sandoval, I was wondering what happened to him because he was with the Navigantes de Magallanes, which had placed first to get into the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, he doesn't have any playoff statistics. Turns out he's been enjoying the holidays with his family. He's oh, hooray for that. Just, just lovely. So he's going to come back and play for them starting pretty much about now. He was batting 314 in the season. So this is another, like, he's just going to, the Energizer Bunny with the panda. Energizer panda? I don't know. He's yeah. just, he's going to keep going. So we'll see what he does in those playoffs. 
Surprising to me, I've been watching more um, baseball from Puerto Rico, the Liga de Baseball Profesional Roberto Clemente, you can find on YouTube, which I have been doing. Semifinals finals are starting, and then the finals are going to be the 14th to the 22nd of January. Somebody to watch everywhere. On the Indios de Mayagüez, your very recently picked baseball boyfriend, Bobo Perez, Bebo, sorry, Bebo, Roberto, uh, Bebo Perez is started on the 29th of December. Much fanfare involved there. The Criollos de Caguas, which um, Alex Cora has been posting about and going to their games. Mitch Lively, who I mentioned last week from CPBL, is now with the Criollos. He debuted today and did stellar. He went five and two-thirds innings, one earned run, three hits, six strikeouts. They won the game four to one against the Cangrejeros de Santurce, which is where the other excitement is with Christian Vasquez from my Boston Red Sox, who is playing first base. He's a catcher with the Red Sox. Fascinating. So there have been a couple of articles, and one of which just boggled my mind because it sort of said that this is Red Sox strategy, putting them at first because they're looking at other catchers. And I thought, no, they can't communicate right now. Like there's a, there's a lockout. The Red Sox aren't telling him what to do, which made me realize, wait, like no teams are giving these guys permission to be playing in the winter leagues. That's usually a thing that you have to do. Right. You have to make sure it's okay with your team to do this. Sure enough. So Christian Vasquez starting, even Bebo Perez, like who knows? I think we really don't know if the MLB teams would have said this is okay. The other thing, though, that I was thinking with Vasquez is maybe why he's playing first is to lessen the chance of him getting hurt because catcher, right? You know, there's so many catchers who move to first after they have too many concussions. So I'm hoping that everything goes- Or their knees go. Yeah, that too. Absolutely. So I'm hoping things go well for Christian Vasquez. He had an amazing like go-ahead run in the ninth the other day. Also on the Cangrejeros is Jack Lopez, who is in the Red Sox system and also one of the um, the Olympic dudes. So that's pretty cool. If you want to watch the Gigantes de Carolina, which is technically my team, but I'm following them the least, Joe Jimenez, who's one of the pitchers for Detroit, one of the starters, is playing for the Gigantes. You know the RA-12, they're probably out. That's the Roberto Alomar, and they're basically, you know, bun- I mean, they were they were made to be a rookie team to give people um, playing time. And so there's nobody on there that you would recognize, but they're probably out also for the playoffs. All right, last, Mexico. <sighs> I'm almost there. They're um, ending the first round of the playoffs that had 10 teams. They're going with four teams for the semis. Tometeros de Culacán and the Algodo- Algodoneros. I always have a problem, time, problem with that. De Guasave. They clinched. The notable name, and this is where, like, uh, much, much many moons ago, we said these are guys that we're following, not necessarily all guys that we like, Roberto Asuna, last seen accused for domestic abuse when he was in MLB and won all sorts of World Serieses, unfortunately. Um, just a little bit of gloating. He has the second to worst ERA in the playoffs. His ERA yeah. is currently 7.71 with the Charros de Jalisco. 
I have been negligent in not teaching you a word of the week. I think I missed it last week. And I just want to help you read the playoff scoreboards because there are different columns. And the first one says JJ. And that's Juegos Jugado. So that means games played. So Juego is game. Jugar is to play. So JJ is how many games have they played? Juegos Jugados. JG is wins. That's Juegos Ganados. And then Ah. JP is losses. That's Juegos Perdidos. So as long as you know what your columns mean, you can follow Winter Baseball along with me. Those are excellent words of the week. That's super helpful. Yay. So um, I'm going to talk hockey. I'm not going to talk um, Spanish. Oh, that's I'm awesome. Talk hockey. And this is a story you may have seen because they got a lot of play outside of the sports world. But I, you need to know this because it's really wonderful and sweet. So, um, you know, I'm a hockey fan. And there are other people who are hockey fans. I love hockey. The, um, the Canucks were playing the Krakens. You know, Seattle's <laughs> brand new team was the best name ever, yes. right? Back in October. And a fan stopped the Canucks, the visiting team's assistant equipment manager, Brian Hamilton, as he was leaving at the end of the game. And I pointed to her phone where she had typed a message saying, you have a mole on the back of your neck. Get what? it checked. It looks, it looks scary. Really? Yes. And he was like, uh, you know, like it was through the glass, the whole thing. Oh so he God. kind of, you know, shrugged and walked away. But as long as he was back there, he had the team doctor look at it And he said, oh, oh. And he had it checked out. Sure enough, it was a malignant melanoma. Oh, my God. He had it removed right away. He was 100% cancer-free in a week from when this fan showed him her phone that said, get this looked at. And the doctor said, you know, if you had not seen, if no one had seen that and it had gone for years, it could have been fatal. Yeah, that is huge that it could be in a week. I mean, skin cancer spreads fast. That's amazing. So the, um, the Canucks were back in Seattle for this past weekend. And so he took to social media wow. to try to find this person who he said saved his life. Yes. And of course, you know, the interweb can solve these problems. And as it turns out, Nadia um, Popovici was planning on going to the game anyway because she has her Kraken jersey and she's ready to go root for the home team as they play the Canucks. And they got to meet. And, you know, he got to thank her personally and said, my my mom wants you to know that she loves you. And, you know, you saved my life. And so she apparently had, she's planning on going to medical school anyway. And so she's been doing a lot of volunteering in hospitals. So she has a little bit of experience seeing these kinds of growths. So, I mean, like, you know, she knew she wasn't, you know, couldn't diagnose anything, but she knew it was worth taking a look at. Wow. So both teams, the Canucks and the Krakens, pulled some money and are giving her $10,000 to use for med school. That is that is the right thing to do. That's amazing. And, yeah. So hooray for that. She said, you know, I felt weird about doing it. I felt kind of invasive and kind of odd, but I figured, you know, he, can, he could you know, use the, take the advice or not, but, you know, and, and it took her a minute to decide that she needed to do it. And they did it. And it was a super happy ending for, you know, the equipment manager for the Canucks and, um, and you know, the karma came around for her too. So, you know, good luck on the medical career. And that's pretty cool. I am so appreciative that you took us from heartwarming to heartwarming with all my stupid shit in between. Like that's just such a <laughs> lovely way to wrap up. Happy new How year, potty nice. mouth. Yeah. 
And happy new year to listeners. I don't know what I, so um, yeah, potty mouth's got a snow day tomorrow. I don't know Woo-hoo! if the city government's going to so close. Excited. So I may or may not have a snow day tomorrow. We're going to credit you with the snow day. What did you, what actions did you take to get us the snow day? I swear to God, I put a spoon in the freezer. It was going to go under my pillow because that's the order things go. So first step was spoon in the freezer. Then it was going to go under my pillow. My kid also in New York out of sympathy because we used to do this while they were in high school together. So I, I texted them immediately and said, help me, support me on this. And so they yeah. also were going to do the spoon in the freezer under the pillow, wear the PJs inside out. But I didn't. I don't even have to do that. So, but if we don't do that, will it melt? Will it not snow? I mean, do we need to at, like keep it going? At this point, there has been an official announcement by the public school system. So I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Well, you know what? I did not get my official snow day yet. So I think I do have to go <laughs> in right. and put a spoon in and, and turn my pajamas inside out. I will um, do so, that hey, for wherever you. you are, if it's um, if it's winter and you're enjoying it, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're staying safe. I hope you got to spend some time with family at a safe distance. We, we did our, had our little distributed uh, New Year's celebration, which was pretty nice. Was I got to say we may do. Um and if you see your family and your friends or you're just talking to them, tell them about the podcast. If you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball, check out some old episodes. If you have a snow day and you need something to listen to while you're shoveling, for instance, think about an older episode or listen to the one we just did with Potty Mouth's dad if you haven't heard it yet because it's pretty damn sweet, if I do say so myself. And then please get on social media and tell us what you think. Yeah, hang out with us on Twitter. We're at NCIB Podcast or Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B ball. Get your booster shot if you haven't yet. It sure is easier to do that than get a test anymore. Oh <laughs> um, fight the man. And until next week, <laughs> good night, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. All right. Oh, wait, I've got to hide my face and stick out my chest. <laughs> That's it's it's the deal for the for the t-shirt. Get this t-shirt and you will be as chesty as Kyle Schwab. 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 Schwab.